Hello and welcome to Connected episode 385. It's made possible this week by our sponsors Indeed, Smile, and Memberful. My name is Stephen Hackett and it is an odd episode. So as always on odd episodes, I'm going to introduce Mike Hurley first. Hello. Hello. That's all I have to say. I I didn't prepare anything in advance today. No opening statement or greeting of any kind? Uh, Hi, Federico. Ooh, that's interesting. Hey! I didn't think about this. I could usurp you. I could take my moment to usurp you and that just to then introduce Federico. So instead of me introducing each of you, it's like an introduction chain. Yeah, I actually think I prefer that, you know? That feels more democratic. Democracy is overrated anyway. Although I guess nobody nobody ever would introduce Stephen. That would be the problem. There's no round robin. No one introduces me now. I mean, I would say it would be really intriguing in the way that this show works to round robin introductions episode to episode. We could never keep track of that. Well, somebody could. We can barely keep track of how it works now. Yeah, I feel like someone, a, a passionate one, could build a website <laughs> that mm. tells us who needs to introduce who. You know? Yeah. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, nobody introduced me, by the way. Like official. I did. No, Mike well, did. Okay. Well, I did hi. just say hi. Let me do. And what, please welcome Oops. to the show. He is the Italian blogger fueled by coffee, the one that they call Federico Vatici. Hi, Federico. Hello. Hello, that is me. Um, th- that was also my opening statement. Hello, this that is, is me. me. <laughs> yes. It's a good yes. one. Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Jason Snell has uh, texted me uh-huh. as he does during the show. Yeah. Every episode is introduced by a different member of the Triple J. That's too much work. Don't like that. No, it's too much work. It's, yeah. yeah. It's once again trying to, use, like, you know, usurp us by being the first voices you hear. It's like they want listeners to imprint on them, you know? You know, like with, with animals, like the first thing they see. And then you think Jason's your daddy instead of Federico. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> <laughs> Follow up. Last time, Mike, you, I think you and I both uh, were sort of amused at Lutron's naming yes. system, mm-hmm. scheme. I don't know what it is. So they have Cassetta by Lutron, which are their smart light stuff. They have Serena, which are the company, is the company that makes the smart shades. The problem I have is that everything is by Lutron. And at that point, there's, the, you've, there's no point having the sub-brands if every time you're going to mention the main brand. What's, what's, a, what's the name of the, of, of the shade that you just mentioned? Serena? Serena? Like the I Pokemon? Think. Serena? Like Williams, the tennis player? Yeah, I was thinking of the tennis player. Oh, Serena, not Serena. I thought it was Serena. There's a Pokemon named Serena. Every time you say this, it sounds the same. I don't know if you're trying to pronounce them any differently. T-S-A-R-E-E-N-A. Serena. Oh, I hear it now. I hear it now. I can't hear it, nor could I pronounce those differences. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Anyways, listener Christian wrote in, Christian is a lighting design engineer, which is a pretty cool job, I think. You get to make things lit just all the time, everywhere you go. (laughs) Uh, They wrote in saying, this sub-brand thing is really industry-wide because basically all these manufacturers have tons and tons of products and lines, and they try to like stand out with product naming. And so he sent us a link to RAB Lighting, or RAB, I think it's RAB because it's all capitalized. RAB Lighting. And they have some examples uh, of some pretty funny names like Gus and Gus Jr., Falcor, 
I mean, go through this website. There's some hilarious examples of of lighting uh, sub brands. So apparently, it's uh, it's more common than we thought. Uh, Real time Pokemon follow up. Mm. So, uh, listener Ryan in the Discord has sent a link to Pokemon number seven hundred and sixty three. Now, I would say Zarina, like a Zar. Like I think that's what they're going for, right? Interesting, like, Zari. Oh, you said Zari. Zarina's got like a little tiara on the top, right? Ah, uh, you're probably right. So it's like a czar. And I mean, abilities, queenly majesty, definitely sounds like a czar. Yeah. Zarina. Yeah. Z- oh, that actually makes more sense. I always wonder what that meant. There's always puns. They love a pun. The it's a company. grass type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate, Zar- I hate Zarina. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole conversation we don't need to get into. Mm-hmm. The feared Pokemon has long, slender legs and a cool heart. It shows no mercy as it stomps on its opponents. Yep, sounds like a Zar. Uh, she doesn't. Wow. Can I interest you in some competitive Pokemon play discussion? I think I think I'm okay. Thank you. I would like to hear it. No, no. Well, Queenly Majesty is kind of broken as an ability. But anyway, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we can move on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Are you going to be okay? Do you like really need to get it off your chest? No, no, it's fine. You're a follow-up type Pokemon. <laughs> um, yes. Steven. That was funnier than y'all let on. I think. I'm sitting here laughing. I don't know what you want from me. Like, how? What, ah, ha, ha, ha. Is that what you'd prefer? <laughs> yes. Thank okay. you. Okay. I'll work on that next thank time. Thank you. Okay. Maybe I just start doing a laugh track on Connected. <laughs> Smart Shades. So this is related to follow-up. Uh, Josh wrote in that the company Eve, they make a bunch of different smart home stuff. They have just released their uh, smart home, home kit enabled blinds motor. So uh, you can go to smartblinds.com. There's a link in the show notes. They have a couple of different models and examples. This website uh, looks pretty cool. I think they've got some uh, some nice options. It's a lot cheaper than what I put in. But it's good to have some competition. So hopefully more people can enjoy the the beauty that is having smart shades because it's awesome. It's really awesome. Federico. Hello. I have a box here from you to me. What? Did you ship me something? What? Did you mail me something? What is happening? I have something here from Federico Vatici and it has your address. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's to me. Wait, what? <laughs> and it has my address. And this box looks like it got run over by a train. It is completely smashed. Has something been returned again? Wait, what? I don't know. Let me open it. Oh, my God. What I saved it on? for the show. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? I'll do a little ASMR I... opening my knife. I haven't shipped anything. Is somebody proxying you through you? What is happening right now? It's like a reverse Big Apple buddy. Oh, my gosh. What? Okay. Uh, what is happening, man? Inside the crushed box was a smaller second crushed box. Is someone pretending to be me as shipping things to my friends? It's full of white powder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Holy cow. What is it? What? It is the original Crochet Ricky that I mailed you like a year ago. No! Oh my god, what? How does this keep happening? That happened in like 2020. I now have two of them. Wow. How? I don't know. How? When it got crushed. That... I don't know. And this this smaller interior crushed box has like Mary's handwriting on it from the form she had to fill out and tape to the side of it. 
That that is, is mad. That is incredible. That's like getting a package from a lifetime ago, almost. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to see if I can find a date on here. Um, let's see. Oh, what's that movie where... Um, <laughs> Oh god, what's it called? The Lake House where uh, the lady gets a letter from the future and it's like there's two timelines in the movie and she receives letter from uh, the other person who lives in the same house but in the future. Somebody please help me. What's it called? It's not called The Lake House. The Lake House is the 2006 American fantasy romance drama. Oh, so it's called The Lake House. Love blooms when Kate, a doctor, exchanges letters with Alex, an architect who is fed up with his life. Unknown to them, they lead lives two years apart. Yes, yes, that one, that one. Who are the actors? Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Yes, yes, that one, that one. (laughs) Was this before or after Speed? I think it was after, 2006? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I've uncovered the date here. This was mailed in June of 2021. (laughs) And here it is back in Memphis. (laughs) So are you just going to have two now, or are you going to do something with that? I don't know. I feel like I should do something with the second one. I feel like we're just amassing things to raffle off for St. Jude later in the year, is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, Probably. Unbelievable. I've put a link in the Discord so you can see pictures of them both. Mine is on the right, and this new quote-unquote new one is on the left. It looks disheveled, you know? It looks like it's seen some things. (laughs) Looks tired. I don't want to share a picture of this box because it has either my or Federico's address on every single side of it. <laughs> it is totally smashed. This Ricky, this Ricky came from a different timeline, so of course he looks a bit tired. Oh, it's a variant Ricky. It's <laughs> oh no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Federico Vitici in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> we established a Ricky multiverse. At we this have point? now. This is incredible. Okay. Wow. The mutant Ricky. Pretty amazing. Will you put this picture in the show notes too? So, so Yes, so I will. Can see it. So that's, I thought you would mail me something. It was like a surprise. So much drama. And it was a surprise. So much <laughs> Not drama. what I thought it's it was. a surprise be. to everyone, which is the best part. I mean, I'm glad it's with a, one of us and not just wandering around the world lost. I mean, it has for a while. Here's a question for you both. Here's a question for you both. Okay. Pay attention and don't question the idea behind my question just accept it as it is and provide an answer please you meet yourself from a different timeline from five years ago you have one question that you can actually no you can tell them one thing and one thing only what would you tell them so yourself from a different timeline from five years ago you see them okay and you can say one thing what is the one thing so they're from 20, uh, 2017, for context. And the timeline is the same at this point. But what you say may or may not alter the course of the timeline. Invest in Pfizer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my, that is so good. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Put, put your stock. <laughs> oh, I think Steven's gone. Oh, no. I just got a thing that said, you are the host well, now. Well, this timeline thing went a bit too far in yeah, a way that I, I did not expect. I think we've got a power issue with Steven. He hasn't said anything. I guess we'll just wait for a minute. It said, oh, please stand by. Yeah. He just said, 
Uh, well, we are witnessing we are standing Tennessee, Tennessee weather as we speak. Uh, isn't it weird, though, that Stephen was just, just gone as soon as I asked about the timeline thing? Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> he just, he blipped. <laughs> it disappeared from the current timeline. You Thanos, Tim. Well. Um, you asked the infinity question. I mean, I literally asked about the timeline, and he He's said, like, the power I just I, blinked. I got a bail on this one. I don't know, was Steven from a different timeline? I don't know. You know what? I figure we should just embrace this chaos, and maybe I'll just do the first ad, and then, like, maybe Steven will come back, you know? This is this is the show now. I will not ask these questions again, because look at what I did. You think about it. I want to know what your answer is. You think about it. Okay, okay. Let me thank our first sponsor of this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Indeed. Hunting down answers to your questions can be rewarding. When it comes to hiring, you don't always have as much time as you'd like to spend finding great candidates with the right skills. That's why there's Indeed, the best hiring partner that your team can get. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is a hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you are guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process so you can find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as, you're spon- as, soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. And you're going to be in good company. You'll be able to join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Here's another stat for you. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Start hiring right now with a set-free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com connected. Offer is valid through March 31st. So go to Indeed.com connected to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. 31st. Indeed.com slash connected. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. So what's your answer? Well, I think... Federico Vitici, five years ago, you get to give one message to him. What is it? Okay. I'm go- well, I thought of the COVID uh, strategy, but uh-huh. like that, the, I don't want to copy your approach. So uh-huh. I'm just going to... I'm just going to tell... The me from the different timeline stuck in 2017, hire a new web developer sooner. Oh, that's a good one. It's like a good life lesson right, for you right So now. you can get started on all the things you want to do with a you know, couple way of years earlier. before, mm-hmm. way earlier, you know? Uh, that feels like good advice. I don't know. I just think it's a, it's a fascinating question. And I also, like I said, I watched too much Matrix this past um, few days. So my brain is also thinking about these sort of like metaphysical things I'm at the moment. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Let's talk about Apple Music. Apple Music. Okay. So I don't know if you know, but the new year has just begun. 
Um, Wait, what? And that's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Ah, you see, maybe year? what Apple are not telling us is they can, you know, like Spotify, they're like, they go about the calendar year, you know, like the Roman calendar year for their replays, for their, like, what is it, unwrapped. And Apple, they're observing the Lunar New Year, which is why they put out Replay 2022 in February, right? Mm-hmm. If you think that about it. That is correct. That's um, that's a good theory. That's that, I think so, yeah. Can't think of any other reason why they would have their Replay 2022 playlist arrive mid-February. So yeah. <laughs> Maybe the... Okay, so th- there's a bunch of boring answers. One, they forgot to do it earlier, which yep. could be an explanation. Or maybe they just wait, I don't know, five weeks or so uh, to collect data from your listening habits in the you know in the first five weeks of the year. And then they give you the, uh, the first take on the replay playlist um they uh, they do this like this is not the first time they've done this to mm-hmm. give you access to the replay uh playlist and uh, updated uh, website early in the year i believe from now on it is going to update every sunday i think right. uh, they're gonna update it every week so you can check on your replay uh playlist as you go throughout 2022 but that's the thing about apple music i guess that's approach. the thing right they're not it's not it confuses me it's not the 2021 yeah. thing right it's 2022 but like still it's just like I don't know why I need to replay the year while I'm in it. Exactly. Exactly. The the really clever part of the Spotify approach, I think, is they made it an event. Like, you know that toward the end of the year, you're going to get a recap. That is why at the end of the year, lists of best of the year are popular for anything like best movies best video games best Mm -hmm. books because at the end of the year you want to remember what just happened in the past 12 months in you know in in my industry it's useful to have that kind of recap and spotify capitalized on that by offering you this you know this multiple data points that you're like oh yeah you know they're visually nice to look at and they are shareable on social media it's clever and it's you know it's part of the culture at this point, right? Everybody talks about it and you don't want to feel, you know, left out. And so you also share yours and it's like this FOMO approach that everybody talks about it and it's popular because it's popular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Apple doesn't do it. It's like, you know, what if you got access earlier in the year? What if the entire year you could replay the year? And as you mentioned, it doesn't really make sense because as I'm living the year, I know what I'm listening to. It's mm-hmm. like, sure, I can get a, almost real-time stats about my annual listening habits. That's not exciting. You know, it's it's data-driven and it's kind of boring and it doesn't have any of the pop culture aspect of the spotify wrapped thing yep just the statistics like telling me what i'm listening to is basically just a smart playlist that like, it used to be able to yeah. do this in itunes right like what is my most listened to songs of any time period it's like it's they're just yeah. it's they're just not doing it right like I, I, honestly i feel like if i was apple music realistically i don't know if it's worth even trying to match spotify here so like there is kind of, I kind of understand why there might be a thinking of like we're just not even gonna try like Spotify Unwrapped is so good now that maybe there is people that switch to from Apple Music to Spotify for it like maybe um, but I feel like any attempt to try and match what they're doing I don't know if it's gonna land what do you, what do you think about that 
I don't know. I feel like they could probably do something that is more like they could pitch it as you know, it, it's not a it respects your privacy, but you we can still learn um, stuff from you in a way mm -hmm. that is not creepy. They could do some interesting things with things with Siri, and because of the integrations they they have with music and your iPhone or iPad, I don't know. They could do something fun like uh, get a wallpaper made out of your made out of your top music. I don't know mm -hmm. something like that. Like they could use some of those integrations in a fun way, I think, but they don't. Hello. Steven's back. Hello. So uh, we mentioned this in the pro show, but there's weather occurrences uh, in Memphis right now, and that was why Steven's power exploded. But he's back now. Is everything okay? <laughs> uh, we'll see if the internet holds okay. up. The power only blinked but comcast is very angry what version of steven are you yeah we, this is the issue we started talking about variants and multiverses and and then you just disappeared so it's all very suspect we never got your uh answer to the question of you go back in five years tell yourself something what is it install a whole home generator <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that would work yeah. that would work that feels like that would be a quite intensive uh, piece of equipment, a whole home generator. Yeah. Well, I have a, a project in uh, Todoist just all about it. Oh, do you? How do yeah. you power something like that? Natural gas. Oh, so it's not it's not your kids running on a bicycle. No. Gender okay. That's natural human power. Where does where does the natural gas come from? I have a gas line because my hot water and furnace. And stove or all gas. Oh, it's like that kind of gas. But what if you? <laughs> what if the gas is also cut out? I think at that point you should kind of. I just mean, give the only up. thing that would really do that is like a break somewhere in the line. Okay, so it doesn't require power. How long would it run for? Is it just like it just runs? Indefinitely. So you could get off the grid. I mean, except for you know my whole career. Don't worry about it. You're off the grid, man. Uh, so while we were talking about Apple Music, we spoke about Replay. Uh, there was a thing I saw on 9to5Mac uh, from 9to5Google. Sometimes I feel like the posts just appear in... I don't know how it works. I don't know how the system works. It's intriguing. Uh, about the widgets in the Apple Music Android app. Yeah. Yeah. They're vastly better than the widgets yeah. <laughs> on yes. iOS uh, for a couple of reasons. One, they've always had this uh, controls. So they actually have like actual controls. So you can skip tracks and play and pause tracks because Android just has interactive widgets. But also recently, the design changed quite a bit. So previously, the widgets on Android had that like hot pink design that Apple Music does. Um, but they recently changed to be more like they they kind of take cues from the artwork of the song that's playing, but I don't really know how to describe it. It's like gradient like, I guess, really. Um, or at least they take yeah. like a color, like a the dominant color and change the color of the widget. iTunes used to do this. Do y'all remember that? There was a version of iTunes that an album view, the little window that would open up. Like, uh, I didn't just like split in the middle and reveal an album like folders used to do on iOS. And the background of that section would be colored in a very similar way. It would pick a couple of colors from the album artwork and make mm -hmm. a gradient. Sometimes it looked really cool. Sometimes it looked really bad. This seems very reminiscent of I that. I think also like the music app on iOS used to do this for a time. 
they would kind of change. Uh, so that was just like a fun thought, right? Like they, it's intriguing. Maybe it seems that like the Android developers have kind of got a little bit of free reign. I can't imagine that they're like taking a jump on iOS 16, right? It's like, oh, this is what the music app's going to be like. That's funny. Um, also, Apple Classical was referenced in the most recent version uh, of Apple Music, which I guess is going to be the name of the upcoming music app. I mean, that makes sense, right? That they're going to just call it that. It's like, yeah. you know, it's Apple Classical. Mm-hmm. They could have gone with Apple Music Classical, but that's one too many words, probably. Um, so, yeah, that's this is the result of the Prime Phonic acquisition from a few months mm-hmm. ago. It's going to be a separate app, and uh, we discussed this, like, uh, I think we, we believe they are going to do... Um, a bunch of integrations in terms of like, um, it's not just going to be for listening to classical music, but you will be able to dive deep and maybe check out interviews, podcast episodes. That was part of the appeal of Primephonic, having this rich catalog about conductors and performers and, you know, multiple versions of of the same concert, I guess would be the name for these performances. Um and Prime Phonic was very cool because it allowed you to listen, read, uh, check out interviews within the Prime Phonic app. And knowing Apple and how much they like to cross-integrate these things, wouldn't surprise me if Apple Classical um, has a, a strong listening component, obviously, but also a, a new approach to metadata and exploration for all these um, additional layers of information that uh, fans of classical music uh, want to know and, and want to browse and search for so um my hope though is that the work they are doing for apple classical in terms of searching metadata and exploring based on those additional criteria my hope is that that technology will also make it to apple music right Mm. um because right now, if you want to get that information out of Apple Music, you can, but you got to use third-party apps for it. Something like Music Smart, for example, uh, which is an iOS app that integrates with Apple Music and gives you metadata details, right, for performers, uh, mixing engineers, uh, mastering engineers, all kinds of information that is hidden by default. So my hope is that if Apple is doing the work for Apple Classical, then that technology is also used for regular people apple music i do feel like a little bit that this it has a ring to me of like this is someone's pet project at apple like somebody cares a lot about classical music and wants this to exist i because it is an odd it feels odd to me unless there's like some really big incentive from a additional payment model like it costs more but still it's like it seems like a lot of work maybe i'm just not like, I know I'm not the target market, but maybe I just don't understand the, like, market size for a service like this, for, like, classical music. When this is all music you could listen to in Apple Music. You just don't get as much information about it, I guess. Uh, it was it was kind of terrible to browse classical music in Apple Music before. Okay. I, uh, I, I'm going to try and find some articles about this. 
but yeah, it was pre- a pretty terrible experience and it was all messy. Like they were mixing up like multiple performances from the same conductor, for example, from the same orchestra. And it was all very scattered and disorganized. And classical music has some unique requirements, I guess, when it comes to uh, listening to a specific version of a specific piece, right? Uh, because of like, what if the same piece is played by a different conductor, by a different or- uh, symphonic orchestra, for example, right? Uh, there's all that complexity mm. um, and I think that's what Prime Phonic was trying to achieve like allowing you to search by different criteria searching not just by music but also by people which is not something that Apple Music has ever really supported so I mean besides you know the artist but in the case of classical music the artist is like uh, Beethoven right but like you don't you shouldn't be able to just search for that or for Bach or for Mozart. You should be able to also search by a specific orchestra or a specific performance or a specific conductor. And that's the complexity that was involved. Um, There was also an interview with Bill in, in billboard with Oliver Schusser, who's Apple's VP of music and beats. Um, There was just a few things that I wanted to reference from this article. which I found it was intriguing. Uh, Schuster noted that more than half of Apple's customers are using spatial audio. This is one of those things where, like, I wonder if people know. Like, do they even know? (laughs) I mean, isn't it on by default? Yes. (laughs) So what's even more interesting is that kind of half of users have turned it off. Um, Not necessarily. (laughs) Not necessarily. Because not necessarily everyone is listening to music that has been put into spatial audio yeah sure okay only yeah you know they 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 know it doesn't their their catalog is only thousands of songs in spatial audio yes of course there will be a portion of people who have turned it off but i could imagine there are a lot of users who just never encounter it but to your point though i wonder if there are even people that know uh, as Kate has mentioned in the Discord, you have to have a product that can do it, and you don't necessarily do right. Like if you have yeah. not not all, not, I don't think do regular AirPods like they don't do it right. Only AirPods three, is that right? I don't remember anymore. I, mm, I don't. I, it's whatever it's it is. But like if you use any kind of Bluetooth headphones or wired headphones, doesn't mean you're going to be able to do the special audio stuff. So yeah, AirPods two do not. Says Kate. There you go. So yeah. like I wonder like. How many people even know? What do they think? What What is their experience? I don't know. Like, I could imagine a lot of people maybe have this and just don't really yeah. notice or just be like, oh, that sounds nice or that sounds not nice. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the, the average person on the streets experience is with spatial audio. Yeah, they're, they're, I guess from this interview, they're trying to make it sound like all these people are doing so intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're all they, they love spatial audio, but do they even know that it exists, that it's a thing? I don't know. Um, it's on by default, and there's a very good chance that, sure, they are using spatial audio, so the statement is technically correct. Uh, they are using spatial audio, but, like, we know what you meant in the interview with this, and it's... Mm-hmm. The reality is a bit more complicated than that. It's all PR, man. Uh, I wanted to read a few quotes about um, that Schuster was giving in relation to lossless and spatial audio and how they kind of do and don't go together. 
Uh, everyone in the industry was really focused on lossless, but the challenge is it doesn't play on any headphone in the world over Bluetooth or any wireless connection. And that is, by a country mile, the number one way people consume music these days. Schuster says most people can't tell the difference when lossless music is played and noted that while it's an important feature to select niche, it isn't a mass market product. We went out and said, this is back to Schuster, we went out and said we would like to have a feature for the mass market that works on pretty much every device and where people notice a difference, that spatial audio. We listened, and then also, this is maybe a change, we listen to every song that comes in spatial audio to us and we try to engage with people who make the cut during the process to make sure that it's good. And also, um, now more clarification before we get the follow-up, AirPods, all AirPods have special audio. They don't just all have head tracking, so the, the, the movement part of it, but they can give you the Dolby Atmos part, just not the uh, head tracking part. So, any thoughts on the lossless spatial thing? Federico, I would like to know what you think. <laughs> if I have any thoughts on yeah. this. But no, I don't use not it. Not you personally, but to what he is saying. Like, you know what I mean? I f- I am glad that they said they listen to every sound that comes in uh, with the spatial audio mix. I think that's exactly what they need to do to make sure that what happened at launch does not happen again in terms of like getting this batch of initial albums that were very badly mixed in spatial audio. So it's good that they are participating in the process, I guess. That's good to hear. Uh, I don't think I've heard of any other like horrific instance of the spatial audio mix going very, very wrong. So it's good that the process is getting smoother. Um, I still feel like it, it, it's true that people cannot hear it's absolutely true that people cannot hear the difference between lossless and, you know, the default Apple Music quality if you're just wearing AirPods or using AirPods Max. But for, for me personally, so this is where my personal opinion comes in, it's more about, and I know I'm going to sound like one of those people, I take responsibility for, I'm about, for what I'm about to say. I am embracing my true self here. It's about the purity of the source. Oh, whoa, whoa, <laughs> I'm so- Look, whoa. I literally just told you I'm sorry. I know, but I can still react to it. I'm still allowed to react, right? Okay. It's the... <laughs> yes, you are. It's the fact that <laughs> I'm listening to a flavor of the song and not the, if you allow me, the one true song, right? It's that that bothers me <laughs> like that this idea of like you're listening to a mix of it it's, i don't know it just i guess my it, question to you then is like how does that differ to mp3 do you feel the same way about mp3 well there's a difference between an encoding technique and the spatial audio mixing right uh-huh. um especially when it comes like okay you take this recording you take this master recording that digitally speaking can be represented as a flac file and then you encode it down to you know uh, to whatever uh, apple uh, whatever format apple likes to use whether it's mp4 mp3 whatever um uh, and that's a th- that's a separate thing. Like you take the original digital file and you make it lossy. But the way that the instruments, right, and the vocals, and I'm simplifying this for this, but this is a you know this is a, a podcast for people, not for audiophiles. Uh, but the way that it sounds, the way that the sounds are placed around you, if you will, it, it's that, right? And then you can hear more or fewer details, but that's the song. 
the spatial audio mix is what if we took the original song, but we changed, we fundamentally changed what you hear and where you hear it and how you hear it. And that that's what I have a problem with. It's like, imagine if you got a book from a popular series. Like, imagine if you got a Lord of the Rings book. And you get the, I don't know, you get the 2000. Uh, the 2020-12 fan edition where some mm -hmm. of the chapters are, you know, in a different order because it makes more sense. It's like people watching, and I'm not speaking this from personal experience, but I know that people do this. Like, uh, when they tell you, watch the Star Wars movie in this order, and some of these, like, particular orders uh, even have nicknames. Like, oh, watch the movies in the mic order or something. Yeah, no, there is... I can't remember what the, that phrase is, but there is a phrase to it. But, if, but it's even more than that. Like, you're taking the original song and you're making it sound different. Machete order, that's it. Mm -hmm. So I well, here's know. my 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 counter challenge to you, if you if you don't mind, if you think about it, right? If what they're trying to achieve is as if you're standing in the room with the music being played, isn't Atmos closer to the original way it's recorded? Because like, if you imagine that everyone's in a room and they're all playing the instruments, which I know isn't always how it works, but let's just imagine for the sake of this argument that it is, you then take all of that and you flatten it down, right? To put it into mm. the audio file. Where like, at least for spatial audio, it's like, oh, well, the guitar's over there and the singer's over there. You know what I'm saying? I'm being facetious, but, right? Do you get my point? Yeah, I do, yeah. I know you don't agree with it, but... <laughs> I do not. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just a matter of like what it used to be and what it could be now like these two opposites like it's always been that the artists go into the studio and they make the master recording and then you listen to that in whichever format you prefer maybe and that was the default right that has always been the baseline maybe from now on maybe in the future maybe five years from now i don't know maybe the default will be spatial audio it's what the artists make Right, that that's the new default, and so my problem is that I've, I've grown up a certain way. I've always listened to music a certain way, and now having this special audio, it makes me uncomfortable, like all new things do. And I think I'm less willing to accept it because part a part of me feels that it's that it's a gimmick. But I will say this: I am very aware of like I don't want to become the person that rejects new stuff because it makes him uncomfortable because that's you know one step toward irrelevancy for any industry for any hobby right like oh no back in my day we used to play 2D Super Mario games I reject 3D Super Mario Vita games and I don't want to become that person but I should also be honest and say I'm struggling to accept it right yeah. it's like how you won't accept the metaverse you know no, that's and, just oh. and Web three and like NFTs. You know, that's... the reality is like most of this isn't new. I found this article. We'll put in the show notes from twenty twelve about the mastered for iTunes section, and this is how Apple described it in this screenshot of the iTunes Store from ten years ago. Experience music as the artist and sound engineer intended. <laughs> I mean, Apple's done this for a long time. Others have done it for a long time. Uh, unless you're in the room when the dude's recording it, I'm not sure you can actually escape 
some sort of inter- intermediate step. I mean, we can we can basically like this can all get very meta. Like, what is the one true representation of a song? Is it you standing in the room as the artist start recording the song? Like, how deep does the rabbit hole go? Like, what if the artists use samples? Do you also need to be in the room where samples are originally be like? It it's it's complex and. Probably isn't a there isn't a, a one true answer really, but the thing is, the one truth we know is that if for twenty years of your life you listen to a certain song, and it always sounded a certain way, like you you listen for twenty years to "What's My Age Again" by Blink One Eighty Two. And then you listen to the spatial audio mix and you're like, this is not the song I know. But then my, I would say I have, for example, I think it was Billie Jean. I thought for an entire way of my life, a song was sung this certain way. I listened to it in Lustless on your really good headphones. Like, well, I didn't hear that part before. So then what's the truth to me, you know? It's all relative. I know. I know. We're very, we're very like up in the clouds today. Yeah. It's very like, what, what is, what, what, what is audio when you think about it <laughs> like what is it is it like uh, what, what is it like particles moving through the air and it's just air right it's just a movement of air it's not even but like it also depends on your ears like what you hear is not necessarily what i hear how do you know that what i think is the color green is the same <laughs> as what you see is the color but green. this is actually like a very this is actually like a very interesting discussion for all forms of media. There's a uh, Jason and Matt are are talking in the in the and Zach are talking in the Discord right now. Like it's absolutely true when it comes to movies, when it comes to video games, um, when you get the multiple versions of something, when you get a director's cut version of something. Like is it release the, the Snyder cut? Right. Is it? But is that the one true copy of it? Like in the, I especially feel like maybe, and I'm totally willing to accept that I'm mistaken here, right? And I think I am. I think I'm in the minority here, especially in the digital, no, in the digital world. This sounds so stupid, but bear with me. But in this era, right, it's increasingly difficult to say this is the, the, the one true copy of something. And then some people will say, NFT from the background. But yeah, no, you just I don't need the blockchain, about, man. That's I don't want to talk about that. Blockchain, your next album is what we're <laughs> saying. When it comes to video games. So, okay, last week, we talked about this last week, playing old video games on an emulator. Are you playing the original game or not? If you're playing an old game and it's upscaled in resolution, that is not the original game, but it also is. Like it, it also is at the same time. It's exhausting. Okay, you've you've seen too many Matrix movies this yes, week. Yes, but but I also feel like this is a this this there is some this is a valid argument. At the end of the day, there is one neat way to sum it all up, which is enjoy what you enjoy and it's fine then we can get into the technicalities of it but i feel like the more time passes and the more we get this like uh spatial audio and and or binaural audio could also be another uh another topic here or you know remasters uh, upscaling like all these technologies that augment what you know as long as you enjoy it and as long as it's true maybe being true to the source material is more important than 
being you know an exact one-to-one version of the source material like maybe being truthful to the source is what matters to who and i don't know to anyone really well. like as long like as i'm if i'm playing zelda wind waker which uh-huh. is a game from 20 years ago and it would look horrible on my 4k tv right now but if i'm playing this game upscaled by software on my 4k tv and i'm enjoying the game so what well, right? then you're not being true to it well the game is the game the story is the same story the controls are the same controls <laughs> It's all very complex and there's no one real answer to it. And I'm contradicting myself because I don't have an answer because it's... it's what we've learned oh. is Apple has spatial audio app store review powers is what we've learned. Oh. You think they ever go back and tell somebody, hey, your spatial audio mix sucks, try again? Well, yeah, I think that's exactly what they're saying. We try to engage yeah. with people. Like, yeah, that means no, we don't thank like you, the way this is. Thank you, Matt from the Discord, uh-uh. for recognizing that this is an interesting philosophical discussion. Matt knows what I'm talking about. So, yeah. Does anyone truly know what you? It's a see. It it's a real problem to think about things too much. Sometimes I wish. I took more things for what they are, more things for mm-hmm. just what they are without thinking about them. But then I think about them. That's my problem. Yep. Thinking too much is a is is a, a, a limitation in some cases. Anyway, you'll hurt yourself. This episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends at Text Expander. Keep everything consistent and accurate with Text Expander. Say that you have something you need to type a lot. Maybe it's a couple of sentences and a URL. Maybe it's a common answer to support questions you get at work. Well, you could type that every time, but your language may be a little bit different. You may copy and paste the wrong URL or have a typo or something. Text Expander makes things like that just really easy to get right every single time. So you set up your snippet, you set up the shortcut. So you could say, for instance, this FAQ that you always have to answer, uh, you could type FAQ1 and it autofills that paragraph of text and that URL for you. And then you can just move on. Your customer gets what they need, clear, concise messaging, and you can even make that messaging consistent across your different team members. So everyone you work with is always providing the same answer uh, regardless of where they're working because Text Expander works across any computing platform you can think of. It all syncs. It's awesome. Expand your content so it's always correct. No typos. No missing words. You know those embarrassing things we all do in emails? Text Expander can take care of all that for you. I use Text Expander all the time. I was looking through my snippets uh, just now. Tons of stuff. Things you would expect, like my email address or physical address. Things that I got to type a bunch and obviously I want to, uh, I want to get right. But then uh, lots of other things. For instance, we have a share Text Expander group here at Relay of our sponsor names because some of them like Text Expander, have a capital letter in the middle of them. And you want to get that sort of detail right when you're emailing somebody. And so if I get it right, Text Expander just corrects it for me. As a listener of Connected, you can get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of the show and Relay FM. I want to talk about the MacBook Pro with you guys a little bit. Okay. Uh, There's a rumor going around that in a early March event, 
Apple will unveil an update to the 13-inch MacBook Pro. The particular story right now, or at least from uh, this source, is that this MacBook Pro would retain the old design, which itself comes from that 2016 class of MacBook Pros, including the touch bar. Oh, no. (laughs) It would be the M1 MacBook Pro just with an M2. And I just don't see any reason that this makes any sense. This is something that Apple would do. And I'm curious what you guys thought about it. Why still do the touch bar? Because they had the parts built in in a warehouse somewhere? Like, why? <laughs> I mean, it's the, I guess the question is, well, the question would be, is it more cost-effective to just keep making the touch bar like v- version or to get rid of it and replace it with the version with the physical keys? Yeah, that has, that has to be it. The old uh, quote-unquote MacBook Escape, right? The old two-port, no-touch-bar MacBook Pro that, that's that been gone now for probably two or three years. I mean, that CAD file is laying around somewhere, but to your point, they've been making this chassis now continuously since 2016, and perhaps you can just drop a new logic board with the M2 in it and move on. Was this MacBook Pro's internals modified when they put the M1 in it? Not significantly, I don't think. Right but maybe enough, like a little bit, right? So that like, what, now they're going to drag that old thing out? And I think this is a, if this happens, and the interesting thing about this is this rumor says it will have it. Mark Gurman said it wouldn't have it, right? Um, the, mm-hmm. the, the, in regards to the touch bar. I don't know. I feel like it, logically you should get rid of it, but I could see a situation where they don't just because they have the parts and they just want to keep burning through them. Which would be a very Tim Cook move, yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, this kind of reminds me of, this is reaching back like a decade or something. Do you remember for a while they had the old 13-inch MacBook Pro that still had the optical drive? Yeah. And they sold it for a while, even though everything else had had moved on? It stuck around in education for a long time, if memory serves. Yeah. Yeah. It was, well, you could buy it... Um, Yourself, I think it eventually it went education only before it went away, but it was like this this remnant of a past time. It was like still still hanging on somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't have a I don't really have any feelings on like what on the touch bar sticking around. It just feels like a very like it feels like an old thing. When I say nobody cares about it anymore, I know that I'm going to upset some people who are like, the touch bar is incredible for me. And I mean, sure, more power to you if it is. But, you know, you look at the M1 Pro and M1 Max MacBook Pros, and obviously that's the future without the touch bar. And so if it sticks around, I, I feel like it's a very Tim Cook move that must be cost effective. And it just feels kind of sad, you know, mm-hmm. uninspired. I guess. I will say to the people that are yeah. holding on to the touch bar in their minds for some reason, uh, like they, they want to let it go. I mean, I don't know if I have to be the one to tell you, but like you're, you're fighting a losing battle here. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. the writing is on the wall. Like if the touch bar sticks around, it is purely like just because it's cost effective to not get rid of it, not because like Apple truly believes in it and it's going to make a comeback. Like that thing is dead. 
it, it doesn't send any message like, oh, does it mean? No, it means nothing. It just mm-hmm. means that it costs less to make it. it. It does just make me question yet again why this price point in Apple's product line seems so difficult for them to solve. For years, we had at this sort of, you know, $11.99, $12.99 price area, we had the old MacBook Air, the single port MacBook, and the two port, no touch port MacBook Pro. It was very confusing. And then the MacBook went away, the MacBook Air got good. It just seems like if you're, that this machine only exists to, to fill a price point, to fill the gap in between the MacBook Air and the 14-inch MacBook Pro price-wise. And one, I don't think Apple actually has to fill that price point. Like, I, I don't think they do. I think they could have, this is the MacBook Air, it costs this much, this is the MacBook Pro, it costs this much. If you want something in the middle, like, kind of too bad. But that's not really the way Apple works. They want a Mac or an iPad and iPhone at every $200 price, you know, like, breaking point that they can. But keeping a machine around that the design is old, even if this does not have the touch bar. So let's say that German is right, and I tend to believe that he is. Why would you keep a 13-inch MacBook Pro that does not have the new design, does not have new ports, does not have the new display? Yes, it's at the price point, but you're diluting what a MacBook Pro means, right? You have this MacBook Pro that's really just the old one, but oh, then you have like the real MacBook Pro over here in 14 and 16 inches, new design, new ports, all this great stuff. And then, oh, there's this other one if you can't afford the nice one. I think it just dilutes the branding. Like, if you're going to keep this machine around, and you're and Apple's willing to to hit make that hit against the brand, then I guess that is what it is. But like, there's an opportunity here for Apple to do like what I want them to do, which is a bigger MacBook Air, and let that hit this price point, mm-hmm. or decontent a 14 inch somehow. It just it just hurts me to see this machine stick around with or without the Touch Bar. Honestly, don't think I agree with you yet. Like, because I don't think this is a bad computer. That's the thing. Like, I am more willing to agree with it when we're like many, many years old. Like, for example, the 21 inch iMac that had the hard, the hard drive in it, right? Mm-hmm. That stuck around for way too long. Even if we got another few years from this one, if they put an M2 in it, like, it's going to be great. The only thing is, like, the design's different, but it's about some, maybe not everybody cares about that. The ports are different. Well, we all got to learn to live with that for a long while anyway, and maybe you don't need them all. Um, and then outside of that, we got a touch bar, but it doesn't necessarily hurt you. Like, I think that the fact that the internals of this would be relatively on par, like the chips... I think that that makes this one less egregious than some of the other stuff that they've kept around for a long time. Yeah, it's just that the new ones are so much better. Yeah, but they're also more expensive. Yeah, back to square one. <laughs> exactly, and, and like I think we're a while away from that computer coming down in price. And so when either being deployed at scale for education or for business, I don't think that we can they can get away with it. Like, I mean, here in the UK, I'm looking at the Apple Store now, right? The MacBook Pro, the 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 M1 MacBook Pro starts at twelve ninety nine. The MacBook Pro with the M1 Pro chips in it eighteen ninety nine. That is a six hundred yeah. pound difference. That's too much. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a big jump here too. And if you go from like the MacBook Air to the fourteen inch, it's uh, it's even a little bit more 
It's like almost it's basically a thousand dollars difference. So that's why, and that's right? bad. That's why you got to keep it around. But it still makes me sad. I know, but this this is one of those things where you can't really do much about it, and like, is there there that delta is too large right now between the the, the prices of these machines, and and this is more like that when that Retina MacBook Pro came about, right? And it was way more expensive, mm-hmm. and it was just the only one, and it was up there. And then they kept the non-retina ones around for a really long time. Like, get used to, in my opinion, a 13-inch MacBook Pro being around for many years to come until they can start to get that price down. No, I, I know you're right. It just hurts because like it's they're so close to like just great product line simplicity. They haven't really had since the early Intel days where they had the 13-inch MacBook and they had the 15 and 17-inch MacBook mm-hmm. Pro. And it was like really easy to understand what was what. And there was a big price jump then, not as big as we're talking about now. But I sort of always like long for them to go back to that that simplicity. Because if someone's looking at, okay, I need a MacBook Pro for whatever reason, like the delta between the 13 and the 14, like they're different machines in almost every single way. And... It feels like, yes, why you said it is a good machine, like it's not as nearly as good as the 14. It just is kind of a bummer people are going to miss out on that because Apple can't get the price down. Yeah, I agree with you. Like it would be cool if they could. I mean, maybe like the next MacBook Air will get so good they don't need that 13 anymore. Yeah. Or, you know, make a bigger MacBook Air, Apple. Just do that. Do the 15. But what, do, what, how would that solve your problem? If they had a 13 inch MacBook Pro with the price it is now, which is $999. And you put a 15-inch MacBook Air in the 1299 slot, then you hit you hit the two price points. So you have two MacBook Airs and two MacBook Pros. 13 and 15, 14 and 16. Pro. A 15-inch MacBook Air is not a 13-inch MacBook Pro. You've just hit price points. No, but the if they if they hit the same price point, then I I, I don't think it really matters past that. Because right now the 13-inch MacBook Pro spec-wise, is a MacBook Air. It's the same processor, the same number of ports. It just gets better battery life. Yeah, but I don't think I would want a 15-inch MacBook Air. Like, it's too big. I think a lot of people would be interested in something. But that's, that's big really big. That's like physically very large. Like, the 14-inch MacBook Pro is pushed the very top end of what I want computer size-wise for mm-hmm. the space. Like, if then that we're going bigger than that, like that's just too big. Like then it's not a price thing anymore. It's a like, I don't want a 15 inch computer. So then we're back to square one again, where now we, we haven't, we filled the price points, but we haven't actually filled the use cases, which is probably one of another reason this 13 still exists. I think that, I think that people generally like options and generally like, like if you, if you look at what is, selling in the windows world like there are like 13 inches clearly is the most popular screen size but there are like thin and lights that are bigger mm-hmm. uh, and of course there's also like a contingency i'm going to head you off now who would want a smaller macbook air well that's not going to do anything about our price point problem but or a macbook again like i tweeted about this the other day people were like i want the macbook back like one you forget how bad that computer was uh, maybe, I mean, surely it would be better with an Apple Silicon chip in it, but there's still a lot of trade-offs to make something that small. And it doesn't fix the price point. Like, there's a world in which Apple keeps the, the MacBook Air at 999 They introduce, like, something 
basically like the old MacBook, and that takes the twelve ninety nine price. Then we're back in the confusing times of twenty sixteen, where it's like I don't know what computer to buy for twelve ninety nine. So it's just it's I guess like the ultimate blame here is that the fourteen inch MacBook Pro is just too expensive. Yes, and it is an expensive computer. The sixteen even more so. They they can't seem to bring it down. At least they're not going to bring it down seven hundred dollars anytime soon. So Apple's created this issue where. Maybe the 13-inch MacBook Pro carrying on is like the the least bad option. I have a bunch of bad options. I just think it does a, a disservice to the brand and to people who kind of end up with that machine, even though like you probably should have just bought a MacBook Air, especially if the touch bar goes away and you're not getting all the goodies that like modern MacBook Pros have. I think that the eventual solution to this is that they add a bunch of new features to the MacBook Air and then they just don't need the MacBook Pro anymore. Yeah. I think that's the way they deal with it. Like, put MagSafe a couple more ports on the MacBook Air. I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but if they do that, then they could probably just get rid of that MacBook Pro. Maybe. And you can just, like, spec up a MacBook Air. I mean, you already can spec a MacBook Air up pretty expensive. Because there really isn't that much difference between them anymore. Like, so I think no. eventually they will just get rid of that MacBook Pro. Like, that, that's just the way to do it, but they're not going to do that yet for whatever reason. I'm really happy with the 14-inch MacBook Pro, though. I'm glad it exists. I just wish it was cheaper. I feel like this is the point where Federico could jump in and tell you that this conversation's over. Like, you tried to pull him away mm. from the conversation in the previous segment, you know? Yeah. I mean, what is the true laptop, you know? <laughs> this conversation is over. How do you know what the designers intended without being in the room? Can you really be a designer at Apple if you're not Johnny Ive? Like, there's also that question. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it gets deep, and I don't want to get into it, but yes, this conversation is over. Like, look, we get it. You want computers and more computers to exist. Let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> what else is new, am I right? What are you? Steven wants more computers. Okay. Yeah. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, big he just deal. wants to fill okay. out that, those shelves, those non-Calax shelves. See how fascinating conversations can be? How they can take a leap into different directions just by using a few words? Isn't the human language interesting when you think about it? Like you can just say a couple of words <laughs> and suddenly a conversation takes a completely different direction. And then nobody wants to talk to each other anymore. Right? I know. It's funny. It's funny how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of Connected is brought to you by our friends at Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web. Generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream with Memberful. You've heard us talk a lot about the Relay FM membership program. It is built on Memberful. We chose their platform five or six years ago to build our membership on. And it's been a super easy way to generate extra revenue for the company, deliver bonus content to our members. Been fantastic working with them. Uh, One of my favorite things about Memberful is that they understand what creators want and need. So they have great reporting, they have great features, and they're always open to feedback. And I've been able to send them feedback over the years about a bunch of different things. And I feel like I have a real team member, uh, you know, like, on our team with Memberful that they want us to succeed and I can't imagine having the membership anywhere else. Maybe you're a creator, you're already producing content and relying on advertising or other means of income. Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything you need to run a membership program, custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcast feeds, and tons more. All while leaving you in full control 
and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. And you can now send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful. We're using this for our monthly newsletter, so I don't have to connect out to a third-party email provider. They even get published on a members-only website, so you can read them on the web. And there's no additional fee for this if you're signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. If you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free at memberful.com slash connected. There's no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash connected. Go there now to check it out. It could be the start of something really exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, Federico had an idea that we should uh, we should spend some time talking about non-Apple hardware. So right. we're obviously all big Apple users, uh, big Apple buddies, all three of us. Yes. But uh, we have lots of other things in our lives, and uh, I think this is going to be fun. Talk about some... I mean, if you think about it, though, like, you know, what is Apple hardware? Because, like, it's all made by third-party yeah. companies anyway. So, like, you know, who actually owns the hardware? Exactly. You, you know? Like, see, when I say it's a problem to think about these things too much, because then you never come up with an answer, <laughs> yeah, which explains why... On. It, it explains why being a thinker, being a philosopher, used to be like a job in ancient times. Because like you, these people made a profession out of thinking about these things. I mean, now anybody with a Twitter account can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the real problem of our society. Can you be a philosopher for a living? I mean, I guess maybe if you write books, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think these people t- tend to be employed by companies now or like management consultancies. Anyway, uh, Stephen, why don't you tell us about some non-Apple hardware that you love? Are we going to round robin this? We all have three. Then yes. Then yes. Yes. Up first are my beloved Harman Kardon sound sticks. These are the speakers that I've used on these my are desk. The transparent ones, aren't they? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, I've got a link in the show notes. You can look at them. Can you still buy these new? Apparently, you can. That's unbelievable to me. Because like I remember seeing these alongside the iMac G4. Yes. Are these speakers like a thing now? Like, are they back in fashion or something? I think so. Hmm. Look, the website says they're an award winner. I don't know what award they won. I mean, they've been but... around for a hundred years, so they should have won some <laughs> award by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a set of these. Uh, my right one is hot glued shut, as I've mentioned before. Still, uh, still holding on. And I love the kind of the retro, you know, early two thousands vibe. They sound pretty great. I like having an external subwoofer that I can have separate control of, and uh, they just look fun. Clear hardware is awesome. More things should be transparent, as we've talked about before. And uh, I use these every single day for music, for editing. Uh, basically, anytime that I'm at my computer I'm not recording, I've got something going on on these sound sticks. And I've done so for like 15 years now. Sound sticks. Sound sticks. They stick out. That's what they're called, mm-hmm. sound sticks. Apparently, there's a Bluetooth version as well. Uh, mine are not that. Mine are old, pre-Bluetooth. Are they really pre-Bluetooth? I mean, they actually, these, this pair may actually be pre-Bluetooth. But, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, at least before Bluetooth was put into the sound sticks. This is like back back in the old day when can, when technology used to last, am I right? Yeah, you know, audio just sounds so much better when you can plug it in. Uh, really, the musician intended me to use copper, not... Particles in the air. Bluetooth magic. Do you ever feel like you want to pour red wine into the subwoofer? 
Oh. Get decant some, <laughs> some alcohol. It kind of looks like a decanter. It does look like a, a decanter in there. Could you pour something in the top? I mean, yes. You should try it. And so, so technically you could, but you shouldn't. Yes, it is open. It is open. I did have gold confetti in there from when we. <laughs> so you have poured something, something in, in the. Okay. Well, I shot confetti at my desk and then I had to take the subwoofer apart and clean the, the confetti out decanted of it. Decanted some confetti. I decanted some confetti. Ah, <laughs> uh, the vintage on this confetti is very good. <laughs> yes, the tannins mm-hmm. are excellent. <laughs> <laughs> mm, gold with a hint of foil. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it was a good year. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm, I'm up next because that's the order of the document. I Something I love are my Intel NUX, plural, because I have a second one now. Uh, these are tiny Windows-based computers uh, that are the size of an Apple TV. They're like a slightly chunkier Apple TV, and they are uh, Windows PCs. They are they run... Uh, one of them is still on Windows 10. I, I got upgraded. Uh, the other one came with Windows 11, they are excellent home servers that cost much less than a Mac Mini, uh, and they are much more space effective than a Mac Mini. I needed to, I wanted to have a home server that could fit under my TV in the kitchen, and a Mac Mini was too much for it because we have this very small shelf underneath it, and a Mac Mini wouldn't wouldn't fit, and it would cost double. And so I got this cheap Intel NUC that does exactly what I want, which is a couple of things, really. Uh, mostly it's a Rune library. We talked about this before. Rune is a music um, application for folks like me who, speaking of, you know, uh, lossless music, want to maintain an offline Lossless music collection uh, and Rune, it's kind of like Plex, right? You got to run it on a home server somewhere and then you use the client app on your iPhone, iPad, Mac, whatever to connect to the server. And Rune is always running on, on the Intel NAC. I last rebooted it in August. Like this thing is super reliable. I have zero problems with it. It runs quiet. It doesn't run hot at all because it's just, uh, you know, streaming some audio uh, files over my Wi-Fi network. That's all it does. And I loved it so much, I got a second one that I placed in in Viterbo at Sylvia's place. Uh, It's also doing the same thing for when I'm in Viterbo and I want to listen to music. I also have some equipment there and it's running Rune. My music library syncs with Dropbox, so everything is is fine there. I don't need to maintain two separate libraries because it's all stored in in Dropbox and uh, it's excellent for that. I also use the NUC Inviturbo. This is something that I thought about a few weeks ago, and I, I, and I asked myself, I wonder if this works, and it does. To play Xbox games, now, there's a catch, obviously. These computers are <laughs> nearly not powerful enough. To, you know, they have integrated Intel graphics. They cannot run modern Xbox games, but you can totally use them to play cloud games from Xbox. I installed the Xbox app on the Intel NUC and I hooked it up to the TV with an HDMI cable. I paired an Xbox controller uh, as a Bluetooth controller in Windows settings and I can stream 
Halo Infinite or Forza or That's Door, all these other Xbox games, and I can play them as cloud games. And the beauty of the Xbox ecosystem that we mentioned before is that it's all a part of your Xbox account, right? So you can play a game locally on your Xbox with a literal, like with a physical disc, and you can save the game, or you can play on your local Wi-Fi network or on, on something like an iPad or an iPhone, and you keep the same save file and save profile all your progress follows you around basically or you can play with the cloud and so when i'm in viterbo i can continue playing my halo game that i started in rome for example and it's all thanks to this small windows computer that i absolutely love so windows uh, i mean we can get into that or not i think it's fine it's better than it used to be I still prefer macOS, but for this very specific task, it uh, absolutely gets the job done. And the Xbox app with cloud streaming, a uh, nice additional use case for the Intel NUC. Speaking of Windows, uh, I love my PC that I built ha. like a year ago. Uh, I have um, I, I built my PC inside of the Lian Li O11 Dynamic Mini case. I'll put a link in the show notes to all of the parts that I have in my PC. I have an AMD Ryzen 9 5900X. I have 32 32 gigabytes of RAM, uh, one terabyte of SSD, and a Radeon RX 6800. Um, I love this thing. Uh, I love the case. The case is so easy to build in. Um, This is so simple compared to the previous build that I'd had. And it's a great time for PC hardware. PC hardware is really powerful right now. The only, I guess the only issue is you can't get any of it. Uh, if you could get some of it, it'd be great. But most people can't get any of it. And I was really lucky to get some of the stuff that I got. I was gifted the Ryzen 9 by a friend, which was awesome. And I was very lucky to get in and got, I got my graphics card just out of like... I don't know, sheer will of the world. I just was in a queue waiting to get one one day and got one. You know, like online, they put all these queuing systems in. Um, and I love my PC. It has anything I throw at. I don't, I've done some gaming stuff on it, mostly for live streaming stuff. But that is what I use it for in general is live streaming stuff. And uh, it's absolutely rock solid and so powerful. I feel like I've got years and years and years of headroom in this PC. Um, and it looks really cool. And uh, I've got lots of RGB in it, but I have it all set to white because it looks really nice. I have a white PC and all the RGB is white and it looks really nice when it's all built together. So I love my PC. You built this... Uh Two years ago? Three years ago? No, I built this one uh, a year ago, I think. Yeah, about... So it's not the one I saw in person. No, that was many years ago I built that one. Okay. Like, that was like okay. years and years and years ago. This is a, a, a newer one um, with all new components in it. That PC now is covered in googly eyes and I hate it. Um, <laughs> this one is much, much nicer, much sleeker and looks really good. The case is so great. I recommend, by the way, anybody who is thinking about building a gaming PC to look at the Lian Li uh, line of products of cases, they really think through accessing um, and, and like expandability is, is really, really cool. Very nice. You should get one of those uh, th- uh, 30, 390s <laughs> graphic cards in there eventually. Um, the, the, the Radeon, the 6800 is really nice. It's like comparable to the low to mid tier of the NVIDIA cards. Mm-hmm. Um this is all I need right now. Eventually, I would like to go to uh, an NVIDIA card, but this one is more than enough for me right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you could also like um, 
with the with the Ryzen stuff, you could do the um, what's it called the uh, AMD FSR, like the super resolution thing that they do. Um, yeah, for the Th- this upscaling. is stuff that they mostly talk about <laughs> so far. Uh, then there really being that many games that support it, but it it works really well for me. Nice, nice, very nice. All right, Stephen, it's back to you. Yeah, I was gonna bring up my custom built. PC as Look well. At us picking Windows in our in all of our. Picks. I know all three of us have picked PCs. Uh, mine's an Intel build uh, with an i7. It's in a uh, Corsair uh, ATX like mid sized case. If I was to build something new, I would pick the case that Mike has. I think that case looks awesome, and I've I've only heard good things of people who have built in it. Uh, the Corsair case is big, but it was my first build, and I figured rather have a little breathing room uh, in terms of... That's what I did with mine, my first one. Just the biggest case I could get and then just build inside mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so it is black. All my components are black except my video card. I ended up with, uh, through uh, kind of like with Mike, sort of just being in the right place at the right time, a Founders Edition 3080. That case... That- I'm very jealous of this. I, I, oh, the, nice. That card is not black, it's like a dark silver, but it looks awesome. And uh, it's got a bunch of RGB in it, because I think if you build a PC, you might as well really build a PC and have a bunch of color in it. So when I run it, it's like cycling through colors all the time, and it looks it looks wild. Uh, and it is, uh, like Mike's, it is my uh, streaming PC, and it serves double duty as uh, I record onto it from my overhead table. So I'm working on like a regular video, not a live stream, and there's an overhead shot, I record with the same camera I use for live streams, but I just record it on the PC directly and then transfer it off. And it is rock solid and I have no need to touch it, even though I always want to like tinker with it because it's fun. Uh, it'll be a machine that I can use for, for years and years to come. You should do, you should do some real gamer gaming yeah. on that, on that you should, thing. You should do some real with gaming. With the 3080, you should do, I don't know, Steven, I could see you. You know, playing cyberpunk, for example, on it. You know, I mean, you, you could at least play flight sim or Oregon Trail. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, that's not the kind of thing we're talking about. No, nope. Age of Empires, <laughs> Goldeneye, <laughs> Age of Empires, the fourth one. You know, flight simulator. I don't know, GTA Online. No, nothing. Yeah, I've wanted to do GTA. I just I have no time. Really it makes me sad. Huh? Yeah, uh, yeah, man. Huh. I, I've never talked about my I, Grand Theft Auto. It's awesome. Look at you. Interesting. Steven, Steven has bloodlust. Well, it's all that pent-up dead energy, right? That's, <laughs> I mean, it's got to release it somewhere. Might as well be GTA and be a I crime so. lord. Maybe we should squad up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Want to join my Discord server, Steven? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe we can play some GTA when you're here. Oh, my oh God. My God. That's a, that would, I, I... Can you... <laughs> All right. I'm not going to, like, please do not take this the wrong way, right? I really, I don't mean this the way it sounds. But can you play games like that? Like, are you proficient? What do you mean? Like, have you what? played many 3D games? <laughs> oh, my God. I think it. Look, you run around, you steal cars, you do the missions, you run over people on the sidewalk. Uh-huh. What more is there to do? I'm bad at games where you have to shoot things. 
I'm not fast well, enough. Well, that's a massive part of GTA. Like, I don't <laughs> hold on. Do you like transforming to a different person when you like? Are you one of those people that like when you play like a sports game or or a shooter, like mm. you become someone else and like you yell at the screen, like that type Do of? You become someone mm-hmm. you don't like. Yeah. Do you? Not, not really. So you just stay your usual self, you know, calm and collected. Yeah, just like hanging out. You know, still in pickup trucks. That is even still in ambulances. That is possibly even more creepy. Um, okay, <laughs> I become my true self. Yeah, I mean, what is what is even your true self? You know, cold blooded assassin as I play GTA. No, I know shooting is cool. part of GTA, but like it's different than you're playing like Call of Duty or something, right? It's those sorts of things. Like first person shooters, I have no, I do not have the skills to to survive any time in those games. None of us do. We're too old. Yeah, none of us are, are fourteen anymore. Yeah, none of us, none of us have got that kind of time to to get good at that. Speaking of video games, I my next pick is more like it's a it's a category pick. It's port my portable consoles in general. Like I've mentioned this before, I really feel like the portable console space is having a, a resurgence right now. It's 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 amazing to watch what's happening in the in the portable console space, and I I mean. Surely it's because of Nintendo and what they did with the Switch five years ago. But I want to call out three of them specifically. Obviously, my Switch OLED. It's my... The Switch is the best. Honestly, it's the best thing Nintendo has done in a long time. It's so obvious to say, I love my Nintendo Switch, but I really do. And the OLED model is even better because of the bigger screen and the much, much better OLED display. It's gorgeous and it makes even... Speakers are good too. Speakers are good and and the kickstand is awesome Mm. also. And Mm -hmm. it makes even um, questionable games, graphically speaking, like uh, Legends of Arceus, uh, look decent enough on the OLED display. Kinda, um, but that's a different discussion. Uh, listen to remaster because we talk about this. But I also want to mention the analog pocket. Incredible console, such an incredible thing that the analog folks have done with the pocket. The pocket can play old Game Boy cartridges. It's incredible what they've done in terms of backwards compatibility. You can slot in a cartridge from 30 years ago and it'll work. I put in GBA cartridges for Game Boy Advance games that I played 17, 18 years ago, and they still had my save file on it and everything. I was able to just pick it back up and play the game. But it's not just that, and it's not just that it looks like a Game Boy and it's got USB-C, it's the screen. What they have done with that incredible IPS display is just amazing to look at in person. It makes old games look like what you remember them looking like, it makes them look perfect, honestly. And it's especially impressive on the original Game Boy games, not the GBA games that have a different aspect ratio, but the original Game Boy with the square aspect ratio, they look incredible because the pocket has exactly 10 times the resolution of the original Game Boy. So you look at those games and they are so crisp and bright and vibrant. It it's a, the wow effect of the analog pocket never ceases to impress me. And so I absolutely love it. I finished uh, Zelda Minish Cap, which is a GBA game on it a few weeks back, and I had a great time, and I have a long list of old games that I want to get into next. Lastly, I love my Eia Neo. I talked about this last week. 
It's a portable PC handheld console that lets you play PC games in a Switch-like form factor. I love that thing. I talked about it last week, so go listen back to that segment. Uh, But there's also a lot of excitement, I think, for portable consoles that are coming out in the future, in the near future. Uh, A&Neo, they are working on the A&Neo Next, which is going to have a much more powerful um, uh, integrated graphics. Uh, I believe they're going to use the Ryzen 6500, maybe? uh, Maybe not, it's the 5800. Anyway, it's going to be better, more powerful, battery is going to last longer, and the joysticks are going to be better. But There's also the Steam Deck, obviously, coming out next, and the long-awaited Panic Play Date. So I really feel like portable consoles are having a moment again, and it's great. If you are someone who loves portable consoles, it's a great time to live right now. And I love mine. What a time to be alive, as they say. Yes. Um, I don't know if you noticed about me. People probably don't. Might be a bit of a revelation. I like mechanical keyboards. No way. You're, That's you're that thing. guy? Yeah, I've been you're into them guy? for a while now, mostly in secret. Uh, you know, I didn't want to show my shame. Uh, I didn't know if people would know that about me. I want to talk about four keyboards that I love. I'm not really going to talk about them in any... So, like, you build Logitech keyboards, right? Yeah, so one is by Razer. Uh, they make this real true... Uh, mechanical keyboards, the best you can find on the market. Uh, nice. Razor, you want to get the Razer Huntsman Mini uh, with the red optical switches, you know. Just That's like, a popular brand. I've heard yep. of it. It must be good. Yep, because, you you know, you really got to get the speeds for when you need to do the, the 180 kill shots, you know. Nice, So nice. you got to make sure you go for the optical switches. There's just absolutely no resistance. You know, that way you can really, uh, you can really steal some cars just like Stephen Lakes, you know. Um, outside of that, uh, my favorite keyboards, my favorite keyboard of the year uh, uh, last year that was released is um, by a company called Mode Designs, and the Mode 65 is a really, really wonderful keyboard, 65% keyboard. Uh, what I really liked about this is you had loads and loads of options, so you could really configure this keyboard the way that you would want from an aesthetic perspective and also from like um, sound and feel perspective you know if you become well versed enough you can kind of understand how different materials can change the feel of a keyboard I really loved the mode 65 it was a bit of a I think a watershed moment in the keyboard hobby community because it was like you can actually configure this and buy it and you wait a few months and you get it which is I will say that the mechanical keyboard community is in its infancy from a, a logistical standpoint and this was, I think, a pretty important moment. Uh, there's a keyboard called the J01, which I really love. It sounds very, very much like old, an old IBM keyboard. It's it's really amazing the way that it's built. To they they basically made these acoustic channels in the aluminium, so it has like a real deep sound. I love it. It's fantastic, um, and it also has a pen rail on top, which I just think is cute. Um, the Rama U80. This is the first like serious keyboard that I bought, and I it's the one that I've got in front of me right now while I'm recording today. Um, it's a big, hefty. This this uh, this keyboard that I have it weighs eight pounds. <laughs> uh, is that a, is that a lot? That is Federico, uh, 3.6 kilograms. Wow, I got that you're into lifting weights, but that seems a bit excessive. It's a hefty, it's a hefty boy, you know? Uh, and then also another keyboard that I enjoy is from previously mentioned Mode Designs is the Mode 80. They're like four of my favorites. Uh, if I just had four, if I only had four keyboards, these are the four that I would choose. 
and that is <laughs> what a hardship that would that be. That is just a percentage of the keyboards I own. That is a very specific question. Like you're stuck on an island and you can only get four keyboards. Yes, okay. it must be sure. four minimum. <laughs> Do you not understand? But it's useful, useful information to have. I mean, okay. for the way that I live my life, because I'm a weirdo, I do have three keyboards in use on a daily basis. Like that's just the way that I live my weird life. Does that count the Apple one taped to the underside of your desk? No, that's number four. Do they have uh, all these keyboards? Do they have like a very specific slot in your circadian rhythm during the day? Like, for example, the J01 in the morning and the Rama in the afternoon? Like, no, it's mostly about my physical placement at any one time. Got it. Okay. Okay. You know, where, where mm -hmm. am I? What desk am I on? What am I doing? That kind of stuff. Right. Because, as okay. I said, I'm a weirdo. Honestly, I feel like this is like w what I love about these hobbies is that on the internet, any niche is big enough and any community mm. can be big enough to find other people like you. So nobody is a weirdo anymore, really, when you think Some about it. Some people are, but well, by and large, you can find, find your tribe, as they say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can be into any, you know, what maybe one... What, some people may have called in the past weird hobby and you're not weird anymore because there's others like you. And, you know, you know you found your community when you have a good time talking to other folks on, a, on an online forum board. I Just a few, uh, a few months back, I asked, I was looking to replace, and this sounds totally ridiculous, but bear with me, I was looking to replace the fuse of my DAC um, and I wanted to update to this, uh, you know, fancier fuse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> so I found someone on a forum um, that did this exact same thing. And I, you know, posted about it like a few weeks before. And I wanted to confirm that the voltage that the fuse supported was okay for my DAC. And... It was an extremely long shot. It was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create an account just to ask this question to this random person on the internet that also did this operation to his DAC replacing the fuse. And uh, David from Germany was very kind in replying to me like a couple of days later. And uh, I got the fuse a couple of days ago and it totally works. And uh, yeah. Being a weirdo with a weird hobby on the internet these days is beautiful. So, keyboards, music, whatever, you know, sound sticks, anything works. We live in truly wonderful times. Mm -hmm. Steven. Yes. We're back to you. I wanted to pick something old. This is actually the first thing that like, came to mind when you, you brought this to us the other day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back in time a little bit and choose the HP Mini 1000. I thought this was a joke when you put this in the iMessage thread. No. Yeah, me too. I, I was not expecting was. to see it in the show notes today. Do you remember netbooks? Yes. Netbooks aren't better at anything. Yes, I remember netbooks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The HP Mini 1000 was the best netbook. It had this awesome edge-to-edge -edge keyboard, which I still think looks... I still think this computer looks pretty good. And it had just the right amount of hardware that you could hack and tosh it. Now, the Dell Mini 9 was really the one to get. I ended up with one of those later. But I have this post from 2009 that I wrote putting Leopard on this HP Mini 1000. Hackintosh, baby. 
Mm-hmm. Running leopard on a netbook. What a time to be alive. And I, I mean, I like the design of this thing. I think the keyboard was was pretty great. The trackpad looks bad and was bad, but it was like the first time I sort of like tried something like really nerdy with OS ten and making this thing boot into it was like a fun project and I don't know. It's I had like fond memories of this little project. So uh I wanted to throw that out there for, for everybody. Let's see this keyboard. Do you got any pictures? No, this, this blog post has no photos. Uh, there's a there's a link to Wired in the show notes. It's supposed to be a blogger, you know, any pictures? Something there. Yeah, two thousand nine, you know, WordPress was hard then. You don't have a CDN back then. <laughs> in fact, I remember writing this post, I think I think I was in class. And I think it was called Fork Bomber. So uh, two thousand nine it probably was still Fork Bomber. Yeah. All right, my final pick is my I would just like to say, sorry, Stephen, that neither of us really wanted to talk about your HP thing. I just wanted to just apologize. I mean, what really is a computer? You know, that's what this computer is asking. It is true. It's true. So I love my PlayStation 5. More specifically, I love the expandability of my PS5. More specifically, again, I love the M2 SSD upgrade of my PS5, which is an operation that I recently performed over the holiday break uh, in January. And um, there's a video on YouTube, but basically you can expand the built-in storage of a PS5 with uh, an M2 SSD. I got the uh, Samsung, what's it called? The 980 Pro SSD with the heatsink. Uh, you can get... Um, you're, it's recommended that you get the SSD with a heatsink and you got to get a specific size, but it's fine. You can follow those specifics online. Uh, this adds two terabytes of storage to my PS5 and it lets me play games stored on the SSD at full speeds. So there's a video that I watched on how to open up a PS5 and install the SSD, even for someone not like I don't necessarily consider myself a manual person in terms of like dealing with screws and small components and things. I've gotten better at it. For example, I replaced the fuse of my DAC. So I felt very accomplished there. Mm -hmm. But with the M2 SSD, it was easy enough. Like you can, you open up the PS5, you remove the faceplates, there's a few screws that you need to unscrew, and then you get access to the expansion slot. And these M2 SSDs, they're really small. And it's incredible what two terabytes can look like these days. It's uh, the size. It's slightly taller than a credit card, basically. And you just slot it in, you wait for the click, and then you close the PS5, you boot it back up, you run through a guided um, process to format the drive, and then you're good to go. And there's nothing else about it. And I love it. And I can now download all the games I want. And I will get to them eventually, but that's a different problem. Uh, but yeah, uh, expanding. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a box full of stuff you're not going to do, which is hilarious. I have increased but, more storage so I can save more games to my PlayStation 5 that I will Why not do you think people get like a bigger desk or a bigger drawer or a bigger closet? Put just to make you feel... Exactly. It makes you feel safe that all your stuff is on it. You have room to expand. Then it doesn't matter what you're going to do with the stuff. But as long as it's organized and stored somewhere, that's what counts. And so I, you know, it's nice that Sony is letting you do this. And it's nice that they're not forcing you to purchase a proprietary thing like uh, Microsoft does for the Xbox. So yeah, M2 SSD. With the heatsink. With the heatsink. With the heatsink. So you gotta get the heat. 
you gotta get the heat out. You know, too much out of war. It's gonna, yeah, it's gotta gotta go somewhere. Speaking of heat, Mike. I would like to recommend uh, my soldering iron, the TS-80P. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with the previous pick. Uh, this is a USB-C powered soldering iron. It's awesome. It heats up super quickly. You can plug it into the iPad Pro and solder stuff. You need power delivery. So what you're saying is you, you, can't, you can't get real soldering done with an iPad. <laughs> 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 Very true. Added to the list of things you cannot do on an iPad. Very true. Mm-hmm. I actually now want to know: Will the Mac power it where the iPad wouldn't? Now that would be an intriguing uh, thing. I don't think anything would. Uh, I got one of those little anchor GAN plug things uh, for this. Uh, mm. I really love it. It's got a little Gan. screen on it. You can set the temperature, um, and it heats up incredibly quickly. Uh, it's a lovely little tool. It's very small, uh, very compact. Um, I love my little soldering iron. I did burn myself pretty badly on it once, but it's all okay. You know, that's going to happen. I like on the Amazon page, there's a picture of someone putting it in their shirt pocket. Sure. Don't do that with a soldering iron. Why not? They cool down. Why not? It's not constantly it's a, on. It can, be, it, can be a, it can be a classy accessory. Yeah. Get a little pocket protector. Don't you ever find yourself, hey, I want to go to the bar, but also I don't want to leave my soldering iron behind. What Let's if go- somebody needs some soldering at the bar? I'll be ready. Yeah. So I want to I want to go out and about with my soldering iron. Sir, do you have a pen I can borrow? No, but I have this. <laughs> you just take, get a battery bank with you and you know, you're know you ready to roll at a moment's notice. Do you have a GAN charger? <laughs> GAN. Excuse me. GAN. Yeah, no, this is cool. Mm. And I think it's cool that you've gotten into it and know how to do it, and that it's more accessible than ever. I think that's really the coolest thing. I think soldering used to like Mm kind of be off limits to some people because the equipment was expensive or they just didn't know how easy it was or how approachable it could be, and products like this make it easier for people to get into it. Yeah, but then you go to another piece of equipment that I have, which is the Hako FR301 vacuum desoldering tool. It's Mm. Oh, yeah. A gun, <laughs> basically. Can put this in your shirt pocket. You can in America. <laughs> it is a, a a soldering iron with a vacuum on it. So you are able to remove the solder that you've put down on a keyboard. That thing was like $400. Like, also, then. wait, it goes both ways. You can solder stuff and you can remove the solder from stuff? You could technically solder with it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, huh. it would you would probably really struggle. This one, it's it is basically so you can desolder things. So like you heat the solder with the iron, and then you press a trigger, and the vacuum sucks it in. All, the, all these things you're doing, they're very dangerous. There is an element of danger to a lot of it, especially when I'm using leaded solder. I mean, that's just a danger of its own, you know? It's just like, I'll breathe in all these fumes, you know? So, you know, this is, there's an you element of danger. tiny fan. <laughs> Are you breathing the fumes? I have a little uh, fan that my friend Ian okay. made for me, like out okay. of a PC fan that extracts the fumes. At least I hope we it don't does. Want, we don't want you to get hurt, you know? Yeah, I know, right? You gotta continue the podcast. I mean, well, someone's gotta someone's gotta desolder all this stuff, you know what I mean? If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash three eighty five. There you can get in touch uh, via email to follow up follow up on something or send us feedback. 
Those come to me. I like to read them. Sometimes I share them on the show. You can also leave feedback online. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. He hosts a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. Uh, Mike, anything fun coming up? Wow, that silence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know how to answer. Oh, Federico mentioned uh, Remaster. If you are interested in or you've played or whatever the new Pokemon game, Legends Arceus, uh, go check out Remaster for our review of it. Or Arceus. There's a debate as to what's the correct pronunciation. But mm-hmm. I think the debate you know. has been settled, mm. but the problem is it was settled too late, so everyone now calls it Arceus when it is actually Arceus. But they shouldn't have left us out in the cold to work it out on our own. Mm-hmm. That's also part of the episode, by the way. So, yeah, spoilers. Like <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V I T I C C I. He's the editor in chief of MaxStories.net and is on that remaster episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, go I check that out. I just pressed publish on it. I figured might as well so wow, I can okay. put it in the show notes. Hot off the yeah. presses. Hot off the presses. Right. That's Get right. the hot bits in the way Get that the, the artist fresh intended. New bits. The way that the artist intended. While the badge still works. <laughs> While the badge still works. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the podcast. <laughs> That's it. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I write over at 512pixels.net. Uh, check out Sunday's episode of MPU. It's all about the Stream Deck. And uh, we recorded it yesterday and it's really good. So that'll be up this weekend. Don't don't like break the stream like that. Don't tell people you you know, and then they're gonna know, right? Don't tell like that's not how the artist. Is, think about how the artist intends the episode. Like it can come out at any time. I am the artist. Oh, and do you intend it to be that way? I mean, I said it, so yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, what's intention really? If you think about it, that's a really good point. How do you know what you're going to say before you say it? Can you even know what you're going to say before you say it, or you know it as you're saying it? Right. Is everything predetermined? Right. Do you do you really have do you have free will on a podcast when you have show notes in front of you? And what what mm. if and like I want to explore at some point like episode like podcasting and Plato's cave metaphor. Like it's a whole thing. We'll talk about it. Will we? <laughs> we'll t- Yes, we will. <laughs> I'm not sure we will. Subscribe <laughs> to Connected Pro so that, so that we can we can talk about philosophy and Plato and, and all of this in the future. You can get Connected Pro uh, right there on the Connected webpage on the Relay website. Connected oh. Pro members. <laughs> I, li- I like your webpage. <laughs> somebody oh, somebody once stopped me at WWDC in person and said, hey, you're... It lit, I'm, I'm mimicking, but it's it points at fingers at me. It's like you're, and he, and he's doing the thing. Like you're, um, I like your web page. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. So I like your web page, Stephen. So connected pro members get longer ad free versions of the show. Uh, this week I talked about fire trucks in my neighborhood, and we're gonna pick titles in a minute. So lots of fun stuff in connected pro. It will make a lot more sense for why Stephen left the show for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to understand the full context of this episode, everyone's fine. That sounds bad. Like, it sounds worse than it was. But, but we did say the power was out. Like, I was giving, you haven't heard this yet, but I was yeah. giving frequent updates. Okay. D- man, you see, you've broken the time stream now. Now we've both done it. Mm-hmm. Now who's a variant? Time is relative anyway. It's, we can get into this in the future. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about time and everything else. How it's intended. Mm hmm. 
Our thanks to our sponsors, Indeed, Smile, and Memberful. Until next week, guys, say goodbye. That's it. That's my goodbye. Cheerio. (laughs) Bye, y'all.